Hello and welcome to the Innovation Insight podcast brought to you by the Walton Institute. In this webinar, we talk about leveraging energy flexibility and the smart grid. Pisces is an Interreg Ireland Wales funded programme and is working with marine industries to optimise their flexible loads against available renewable energy and the time of use market tariffs. We hope you enjoy it. Hi, good afternoon, everyone, and um, welcome to our webinar this afternoon. We're um, we're delighted to uh, have have so many who took uh, who have taken time to attend. Uh, my name is John McLaughlin. I'm um, a senior software engineer in TSSG, and um, as such, I've worked on the on the Pisces project, uh, setting up the platform and um, helping with data analytics. Um, Joining us today on the, the webinar are project partners from the Port of Milford Haven, Ford Ishkivara, the Atlantic Dawn Group, and Cardiff University. So each, uh, each um, partner will uh, give an overview of the different uh, perspectives on the Pisces system uh, as, it, uh, as it affects them. So in areas such as system simulation and uh, fish processing in Ireland, um, and we'll, we'll introduce you to the trial sites in both Wales and Ireland. Uh, before we begin, uh, the principal investigator, Sean Lyons, uh, is also the project coordinator, will give a, a brief introduction into the Pisces project to give you all a brief understanding um, and context on the trial sites and the Pisces platform. Uh, but before I hand over to Sean, uh, I'll just do a little bit of housekeeping. So the webinar will be recorded and uh, we will circulate this to the attendees uh, next week. Uh, also, if you have any questions, uh, there's a Q&A uh, button just down at the bottom of your screen. So um, if you have any questions, you can pop them in there and uh, we'll have a Q&A session uh, after the presentations. Um, and we'll, we'll attempt to answer as many questions as, as we possibly can. So with that, I will hand, hand you over to Sean, um, who, as I say, will give, that, give a, an overview of the, the project. Thanks, John. I'll just share my screen and uh, hopefully you'll be able to see it. Can you see that? Yeah, I can see it, yeah. Great. Okay. Okay. Thanks, John. Uh, yeah. So look, I'm just going to give a very, very quick, uh, brief overview of what the project does. So as the, it'll put some context, uh, for the speakers that are coming. And then at the end, I, I'll go into a, a lot more detail, detail on the, the platform that we've built, uh, to enable this. So Pisces, um, is a, uh, it's an Ireland Wales, uh, interreg, uh, funded program. And there's, uh, four partners ourselves, TSSG and WIT in Waterford, uh, the Cardiff University, the Port of Milford Haven and Bordish Guevara. So as John said, each, each will give a brief overview of our, of our work here. So very quickly, um, this is just a graphic uh, to give, to, to give uh, to explain what, what Pisces does. So we're very much working with, um, with large uh, marine type sites such as fish processors um, that have a large energy load and a degree of flexibility to that load. And what we mean by flexibility is that you have the potential to ramp it up or ramp it down um, so, you know, we focus very much on, on, on thermal loads where you've got like cold storage or, or ice making. And basically, um, in, in the case of a cold store, you can make it colder 
uh, or, or you've got a temperature band that you've got to keep it within so you can make it colder at certain times and at certain times and maybe let that temperature rise slightly. So why would you do that? Basically, uh, on the electricity markets, uh, the price of energy uh, changes every half hour on, on the wholesale markets, which you can trade on. And uh, you know you can trade on that on a day ahead market. So you know what the price of energy is going to be tomorrow. Okay. And also, uh, Pisces is focused on uh, integrating renewable energy at the site of those loads. So it could be wind or it could be rooftop solar. And again, we built a prediction system uh, to give us a, a view of, as to what our lo the, the local energy that we own uh, is going to produce in the next 24, 36 hours. And then we've done with those prediction uh, models, we've, we've developed uh, optimization algorithms to, to ramp up and down those flexible loads based on uh, time of use tariffs on the electricity market and available renewable energy. And also, if you have a battery, you, you, can, you can ramp that up and down as well. So um, that's just to give a very quick, um, a quick overview of uh, and provide some context for what the, the speakers are going, to, are going to come up with now. So I'll be back to you later um, uh, with a, um, uh, with a, a more in-depth uh, of, um, of, the, of the platform, okay? So um, I believe, John, the next item on the agenda is the, uh, is the, um, is the welcome from the Minister, is that great? That, that's correct, Sean, yes. Uh, so we were very pleased to have the, the Welsh Minister for Environment, Energy and Rural Affairs, uh, Ms. Leslie Griffiths, officially opened the webinar this afternoon. Unfortunately, she wasn't able to uh, attend live, but uh, she has sent us this, this brief message. So, uh, Sean, I think you have the, the video for that. Okay, can you see that? Yeah, yeah that's good. Okay, let's play it now. Pranand good afternoon. I'm delighted to open today's event which celebrates the work and the achievements of the Pisces Cross-Border Project. The project, backed by over 1.8 million euros of EU funding from the Ireland-Wales Cooperation Programme, aims to support the fisheries industry across our shared waters by developing a new smart grid electricity network to help reduce energy costs, reduce carbon footprint and improve the quality and security of energy supply. The fisheries industry is an important part of the food and drink sector and wider economy, sustaining livelihoods and communities across our coasts. It is crucial we ensure the industry has a viable future, especially given the recent challenges it has faced in light of the COVID-19 pandemic, as well as any potential challenges at the end of the transition period. Today you'll hear in a lot more detail what Pisces has achieved. I'm delighted to learn the technology implemented at a number of processing sites has resulted in significant savings and improved sustainability, helping them play a central role in the clean energy transition. Pisces have combined the skill sets of TSSG and Cardiff University, two leading research and development institutions in this space, to define and develop new technologies to suit the specific requirements of fish processing sites. Plus, with BIM and Milford Haven Port Authority engaging with and including processing sites in the partnership, they've ensured specific requirements have been catered for, making results which are tangible and more market-specific. In recent years, Wales has raised its ambition and we've delivered real changes, all of which go some way in helping us to respond to the ongoing climate crisis. However, we still have some distance to go 
in reaching our more long-term climate and environmental goals. This month marks five years since the signing of the International Paris Agreement. And as we start the countdown towards the UN's Climate Change Conference, COP26, in Glasgow next November, we want to show the world we are a globally responsible nation and ready to play our part. Collaborative cross-border projects such as Pisces, the Irish Sea Portal Pilot Project and Bluefish already form an important part of this work. By looking at the challenges of climate change and decarbonisation in an imaginative and creative way, by engaging with coastal communities, businesses such as fishing, shellfish and aquaculture industry, and by sharing best practice and expert knowledge. We also want to ensure the shared resource of the Irish Sea continues to be managed in a sustainable way, allowing for industry growth and protecting it for future generations. We will look to continue a cross-border strategic approach with our Irish counterparts, encouraging knowledge transfer, engaging with coastal communities and closely working with industry to inform blue growth. Ireland is not only our closest EU neighbour post-Brexit, but also our natural partner, both economically and culturally, and cross-border work like this will continue to be an essential part of our international strategy moving forward. I would like to congratulate TSSG, Cardiff University, Milford Haven Port Authority and BIM for the successful delivery of the Pisces project. I hope you all enjoyed the rest of this event. Dilk. Uh, thank you. That was again. That was Leslie Griffiths, Welsh Minister for Environment, Energy, and Rural Affairs. And uh, thanks again for to her for taking the time to to give us uh, give us that message. Next up, we have um, Dr. Johan Petri of the School of Engineering from Cardiff University. And Johan is going to give us a presentation on um, system simulation. Uh, so, I'll hand you over to you, Johan. Thanks, John. Uh, thanks for this. Uh, uh, here's my screen. Can you can 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 you see uh, the screen? Yeah, I see that, Johan. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for uh, attending. Um, it's a pleasure to be um, uh, presenting our work uh, that we've done as part of the Pisces project, in particular, uh, looking at a system simulation. So my name is Johan Petri. I'm a lecturer in School of Engineering at Cardiff University. Uh, Today, I'll briefly uh, explain the research-driven approach that we've uh, adopted as part of uh, PISES with a view to inform uh, technical implementations and, and pilot implementation. So uh, we leverage on this concept of uh, a, a port fish industrial site as a complex systems where there's a dynamics in terms of energy consumption and production, an increased number of variables and associated constraints, multiple buildings, uh, spaces and uh, appliances. Also, nevertheless, uh, we consider human factors involved, which can uh, significantly influence the overall process. So uh, the diagram is uh, presenting uh, a, a broad literature review that we undertaken uh, from different uh, scientific sources um, uh, at a range of uh, uh, publications uh, resulting in a 40 plus, 400 plus publications from which uh, 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 54 have been uh, evaluated and uh, uh, lesson learned, extracted and uh, um, 
really uh, solutions uh, 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 reviewed. And the objective was to uh, look into ways of optimizing energy networks uh, uh, with significant impact on the CO2 emissions by utilizing a simulation prediction and optimization capability for energy and carbon reduction. And uh, really our approach was uh, uh, a holistic approach looking at, uh, uh, at the building level, also at the site level uh, and the appliance level. And uh, on the right side, you can see uh, a diagram that uh, reflects the methodology uh, that we've uh, adopted for developing this uh, uh, science-supported met uh, science methodology really from the thermal model definitions, a cost simulator uh, environment, and, and, and what-if scenarios and different control alg algorithms that we've implemented. Uh, so from, from a perspective of, uh, of uh, uh, a site and a building, we have different appliances and we managed to collect different requirements uh, uh, as part of our uh, requirements elicitation um, process where um, uh, questionnaires and interviews were uh, utilized as a method to extract knowledge and information about the pilot project. Uh, and uh, in here, some preliminary tests that we've implemented uh, uh, with a view to look at different operating schedules and, and their associated impact on uh, energy consumption while taking into account constraints such as uh, uh, power rating, minimum running time, interruption of appliance, and required user frequency uh, for different appliances that we utilized. On, on a cluster level, on a site level, we've looked uh, uh, really to find ways of uh, achieving impact uh, with the observation that impacts have different uh, 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 um, granularity when discussing an appliance, for instance, or building, and, and uh, a site level where decisions can have uh, different value in terms of uh, uh, costs and, uh, and uh, energy consumption. In here, we present uh, uh, the calibration that we've also added to our simulation capability, uh, where the simulation was really uh, an energy model uh, developed uh, uh, using Energy Plus and, um, and Simulink. And you can see that our simulation capability has really been uh, a digital replication of the existing phenomenon. So the actual, uh, the actual energy consumption and the simulated energy consumption uh, really go on a one-to-one -one, uh, correlation, which uh, uh, was uh, extremely useful because after we have a, a, a digital replica, we can test different scenarios, which in practice we couldn't test due to restrictions that exist in the sites. In here, uh, uh, we, we report a renewable integration and battery uh, capability that we've also uh, developed uh, through the simulation capability that we've uh, developed, uh, where a different, uh, uh, different type of uh, uh, battery uh, performances have, have been tested with uh, uh, different input parameters such as capacity, voltage, type, and, and, and hours with a view to develop this smart uh, microgrid model uh, that uh, takes into consideration uh, production units but also consumption units that may exist at the level of a, a, a fishery site. 
nevertheless, uh, to integrate all these elements which have a certain complexity in the modeling, we utilized uh, uh, ontologies as a mean to repres uh, uh, represent knowledge uh, for different uh, uh, appliances and buildings and to determine possible impacts and correlations between different variables also and, and components that may exist in a site. Really with the objective to have a, a, a quite robust and uh, um, flexible simulation capability that uh, uh, can inform the development of a prediction and also optimization in sites. So for instance, our simulation capability uh, uh, framework uh, can take as inputs weather factors, production factors, consumption factors, price factors, demand and, and time factors with a view to uh, maximize or minimize certain objectives such as production consumption and CO2 emissions while instrumenting different values for the schedules and the set points at the level of appliance. And, and such simulation capability would, would give decision factors uh, 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 ability to take informed decisions when to store, use, sell, buy, or schedule energy based on different uh, events or um, uh, uh, constraints that may appear. Um, a, a simulation informed prediction framework has been also developed where different input uh, data uh, such as uh, season, capacity, predicted temperature, uh, power, uh, have been uh, utilized uh, with a view to uh, uh, enable forecasting of future scenarios um, where the input layer was uh, primarily uh, modeled around uh, variables such as power, temperature, set point, capacity, and season, and the output layer, the result that uh, provides uh, future projections is around temperature uh, and power. Really, um, um, the objective was to have a, um, a workflow uh, supported by science and evidences aggregated from the literature, but also from the uh, very detailed um, requirements elicitation phase that we conducted in the trial sites to uh, understand what can happen in future in terms of energy consumption and, and demand, but more importantly, to enable decision-making and uh, actionable insights at the port level uh, in this uh, context of informing practice, uh, our informing our uh, industrial partners and also uh, provide a high order of information for communities and stakeholders. Uh, and in here we, we uh, explain how different uh, uh, prediction models have been tested. Um, um, they, they provide different uh, efficiencies and we've chosen the best uh, really prediction which is an artificial neural network that that uh, uh, was resulted after a model benchmarking and gives uh, a forecasting of energy and temperature for 30 minutes and one hour ahead uh, uh, forecasting. Now, an element that is also present uh, and was the uh, result of our um, work is uh, exploring this transition to sharing economies and, uh, and uh, energy communities. And our simulation uh, capability uh, uh, was um, scalable to a community level uh, and, and enabled uh, uh, methods for digitalizing ports in terms of processes and resources 
and also a, a higher grade of scalability to cover more efficient cost scenarios uh, where uh, objective one was consumers to have the ability to increasingly generating their own energy and monetize the energy by trading in a market of options uh, among producers and consumers. And um, I will very quickly uh, report on, for instance, uh, this idea of peer-to-peer -peer clusters that we've uh, started to develop based on a lower granularity. For instance, we started with the trial project that were present in the project, but uh, we expanded to a community layer where we, we managed to test uh, around 1,000 uh, uh, participants, communities, formed of producers, energy producers and consumers that are organized in clusters. We considered in cluster and in federation energy exchanges, and you can see um, uh, uh, results that have been disseminated uh, in uh, IEEE journals where different types of energy uh, with uh, different type of demand can interact. And uh, 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 these are reported in here. You can see the impact of uh, different uh, levels of energy demand, a different simulation cycle. Uh, I will uh, uh, convey the conclusions uh, saying that uh, the, sim the, the simulation uh, uh, container and the simulation uh, capability that we developed was meant to deliver a real-time user-oriented decision support by uh, also um, enabling adaptive appliance actuation based on generation and demand, uh, cost analysis and optimization forecasting uh, with objectives in, in relation to environmental impact and modeling, uh, where uh, prediction was uh, directly correlated with reaction triggers at the appliance level and remote actuation. Um, really, our uh, simulation system simulation capability uh, can inform autonomous coordination for the entire fish processing uh, uh, workflow and uh, providing advices when to store, when to uh, uh, send energy and when to use uh, energy. Uh, all being part of a uh, a greater um, uh, challenge that we contributed to developing digital twinning strategies for fishery ports where simulation prediction and uh, optimization can actually support different actionable insights at the port level. This uh, was my uh, presentation. Uh, thank you very much. Um... So next up, we have uh, Martina O'Brien, a Green Program Coordinator from Bordish Kivara, who is going to give us a, a presentation on fish processing in Ireland and uh, Pisces. Um, so I'll hand over to Martina. Can you see that there? Yeah, that's good, Martina. Yeah. Great, thanks. Um, hi, everyone. Uh, thanks, John. And uh, thanks for the opportunity to speak here today. Um, so as John said, I'm from the Irish um, Seafood Board, uh, Board Eskawara. Um, and as a semi-state uh, organisation, it's our job to provide um, support and assistance with the development of the seafood industry. And that's across... Um, fisheries, aquaculture, 
processing and retail. Um, so we primarily provide strategic and business support, but also technical support to the industry. And um, so today I'm just going to talk to you, give you a brief uh, overview of the Irish seafood industry, the importance of sustainable, sustainable development in driving the industry forward. And um, I'm going to talk to you about uh, Origin Green, which is our national um, sustainability program for uh, food and drink companies. I'm also going to talk about the BIM Green Seafood Business Program and how it provides tailored, tailored supports to seafood processors and its link um, with this uh, Pisces project. Um, so as an island nation, the sea and the seafood industry are inextricably linked with our culture and heritage. Um, but the seafood industry as a whole forms a significant and important part of our national economy. Uh, in 2019, it contributed 1.2 uh, billion to, in GDP and provided employment to over 16,000 people. Um, as a subsector of the seafood processing, uh, or as a subsector, seafood processing contributes most significantly to the industry overall. Um, and in 2019, there were 164 seafood processing companies operating throughout Ireland. These companies generated over um, seven, 700 million to the economy. They provided uh, 4,076 jobs um, and port towns, um, the port towns of Castledown, Bear and Killeep Beggs, um, which provided trial sites for this project um, are, were two of the biggest um, fishing ports based on the value of their landings. So um, the demand for seafood remains strong in 2019 and is uh, continuing to increase. And despite, despite the challenges of Brexit and uh, the emerging COVID-19 pandemic in 2019, demand for Irish seafood remains strong um, and continue to grow in line with global demand for high quality seafood. Um, so uh, generally uh, the increasing uh, demand uh, for seafood is a trend that will likely continue um, as we know uh, by 2050 there's going to be 9.7 billion people on the planet and the sustainable provision of food is going to play a key role in meeting that demand but it's going to play out um, or sorry uh, seafood obviously being a, a protein rich uh, uh, food source and um, nutritious is is going to play a key uh, role um but this this is going to this expansion of the seafood industry is going to play out in the context of climate change and um in the context of an increasing demand um on uh, finite resources um and this will um uh and and sorry uh the the rapid growth of our global population will put further pressure on resources like energy and water, um, and it's likely that the costs of these will also increase. Um, and we're already seeing that play out as uh, non-domestic user tariffs are increasing um, in Ireland. So the question really is, how do we develop and expand the industry in a sustainable and cost-effective way? And um, how do we uh, square that circle? Um, sorry. Uh, so um, 
Globally, uh, food systems are responsible for 24% of greenhouse gas emissions. Um, agricultural systems play a significant role in that, but seafood processing has also been identified as an energy intensive industry. And um, this is particularly due uh, to the fact, as we've heard, the nature of the industry and um, cooling and freezing are the biggest consumers of electricity. Uh, cooling systems also produce um, gases, uh, refrigerant gases, um, which are contributing uh, to uh, global warming. Um, and it's not surprising uh, that energy costs are costs represent the, or costs represent the largest overhead in the fishing uh, industry. Uh, through our National Climate Action Plan, Ireland has committed to a 7% reduction in greenhouse gas emissions, and the plan focuses on our primary industries, agriculture, forestry and fisheries, and the actions that they're going to take to help the country move forward to, um, on our journey to a net zero economy. And this is in line with, uh, our, with EU legislation, legislation pushing for climate neutrality by 2050. Um, it's not just this top-down push from government and legislation. Sustainability is a key factor in consumer choice. Um, and consumers are com increasingly striving to live responsibly. They purchase goods that reflect their values and they expect transpar transparency from suppliers to help them make these decisions. So as a primary industry, the importance of acting on sustainability is even more significant um, in the seafood uh, industry as this, our supply of raw materials um, like fish and aquaculture stock rely upon the health and functioning of ecosystems. And there's a need there, a, necess a necessity um, to us, for the industry to act collectively um, again, uh, to address um, greenhouse uh, climate change and greenhouse gases and to safeguard the future of our industry. So readying the seafood industry is, um, you know, is a challenge, but it's part of our job in BIM to work with and to listen to the industry and to look ahead to see what's coming down the line. So in, in response to this um, and in conjunction with BIM, are working to support companies to engage in a sustainability program called Urgent Green. And this uh, is a national program which aims to embed sustainability into the DNA of Irish food production of the Irish food production sector. The programme um, offers a structured approach to tackling sustainability, and it helps um, to define the types of areas that companies could tackle. So um, you can see here, raw material sourcing uh, is a key target area, manufacturing processes and social sustainability. And um, they're the three target areas, and within them, different targets can be addressed. So things like supplier certification, primary producer, sustainability initiatives, packaging, um, and within manufacturing processes, energy and emissions um, are a key target and a mandatory target for all companies. So um, this program allows companies to define their baseline usage um, to determine that in the first um, year of the program, and then to set um, targets under all of those different um, target areas and different target headings. Um, and uh, so this is really where the Pisces project kind of fits in. 
um, in terms of the companies that participated in um, this Pisces program, they're able to then report back on the work that they've done and the savings that they've made uh, through this program. So this is just the, the template that's used and you can see the detail that's required um, on reporting back and measuring progress um, for energy uh, under the energy target. And um, so where the, the Origin Green uh, plan provides a structured uh, plan <laughs> to, uh, for, for uh, companies to um, decide how they want to act. Uh, the Green Seafood Business Programme is a BIM uh, programme that was initiated in 2012. And it provides um, support to putting into action those plans. Um, and um, so the, the program essentially uh, involves an on-site visit. There's, a, there's quite a diversity of seafood processing um, facilities in Ireland. Some are big, some are small, um, and they operate with different species. So having an on-site visit where resource efficiency can be assessed um, and a plan can be made as an essential part of the program. And the program also provides ongoing assistance and follow-up um, meetings and reviews. Um, so uh, in a nutshell, this is just an overview of the types of um, um, resources that the programme looks at and where kind of quick wins can be made. So things like conducting um, uh, water, um, detecting water leaks on site um, have allowed companies to save €20,000 per year um, in water charges. Um, and this is again where uh, the Pisces project fits in, where uh, it can look at um, how to optimize energy, uh, uh, energy usage on site. So things like um, looking at coal stores and uh, kind of basic things like even um, the, the door seals on, on coal stores and uh, things like that. So, um, just on. Um, so the most important thing about the Green Seafood Business Programme is that it's not a static programme, it's dynamic. And again, this is where the Pisces Pro, uh, project fits in, is that it contributes um, substantially to how the programme uh, will operate with companies uh, going forward. So now that we know that the benefits of these types of projects and uh, the the novel technology that's involved and the way that the industry is heading, uh, the energy industry is heading and the paradigm shift from decentralization from a centralized system to a decentralized system where companies can really take ownership of their energy and um, use and potential production through renewable energies. And um, I think this is where there's real value uh, in in Irish companies participating in programs like this so that it can feed back into these kind of on the ground programs. Um, so uh, two companies that participated in uh, the trial, acted as trial sites in Ireland were the Atlantic Dawn Group, so Arctic and Polar Ice and uh, Castletown Bear Co-op. Um, and uh, it's companies like these participating in programs uh, projects like this um, that 
really allows um, BIM and our our industry as a whole to benefit. So um, I'm not going to go into detail here on the case study because that's going to be covered by Philip Kelly uh, later um, as he was involved um, in he's from the Atlantic Dawn group and was involved in the trial and the rollout of the trial. Um, so I think just suffice it to say that uh, site savings uh, were in the range of 15 to 80 percent. Um, that's obviously a massive benefit and uh, other calls to our efficiencies were um, achieved through participation um, in this. And uh, just on behalf of BIM, I want to say a big thank you to the companies who participated in the project for giving their time to support its development and because the benefits um, of it are going to be felt throughout the industry. So thank you very much. It's me. Thank you very much, Martina. Um, so next up, we have uh, Tam Bardell, who's Energy Development Manager for the Port of Milford Haven. And Tam will give us uh, his perspective as a trial site in Wales uh, on Pisces and energy clusters. Um, so Tam, I'll hand over to you. Can you see my screen all right, John? That's brilliant, thanks. So yeah, so Milford Haven was an implementation partner in the project and we're Wales's biggest fishing port. So it was really great to be part of this project. Uh, so we had two implementation sites for Pisces. The first one was the Packaway building, which is owned by the Port Authority. And it's where we make ice for our fisheries tenants. And the other one was Williams Marine, which is a fish processing tenant based in Milford Fish Docks. Uh, also, I'm going to talk to you about the smart energy cluster, which we got set up in our fish docks and give you a bit more context around that. But first of all, speak, let's speak about Packaway. So focusing in on the flake ice production in the Packaway building, if we go back to 2018, when we first got involved with Pisces, we had energy monitoring equipment put into Packaway building in 2017 to give us a really good indication of what was happening in the building in terms of energy consumption and generation. And this graph here is showing you the typical sort of pattern that we would operate the flake ice machine by. So we tend to put it on at four or five in the morning and then leave it running until we've made enough ice to give to our tenants. You can see the little table there on the graph, on the, on the slide is showing that half of the ice roughly was made on a nighttime rate of six and a half pence and the other half was made on a daytime energy tariff rate of 12 pence. So the total cost to make that ice uh, in that period was about £4.60. But of course, with our Pisces hat on, uh, we started exploring the opportunity of running the machines differently. So if you go to the day before that ice was made, you can see that the solar system on the roof was generating a good amount of power uh, see the red, where the red rectangle is, that shows about half of the ice could have been made over the peak of the day, the day before. And if we'd have been making the ice at that time, it wouldn't have cost us anything. So that really woke us up to the opportunity. Um, and then the other bit of that table is showing that if we'd have made half of the ice with the solar and the other half 
uh, on a nighttime rate, the total cost to make that same amount of ice would have been £1.74. So £4.60 versus £1.74 shows a potential of 60, well, 60 odd percent saving on the ice order by using available solar PV and only off peak tariffs. So Pisces really woke us up to the opportunity to save a significant amount of energy for our ice making. So fast forward to 2020, and what you're looking at on this chart is the green line is showing the energy footprint of the ice machines running, and the blue line is showing the solar generation. So now we've got Pisces in operation on the site. You can see that Pisces has run one of the machines um, from 2 in the morning to 7 a.m., and that's when we go on the daytime rate. So it's run it on the cheap off-peak rate. And then it switched them two machines on then at 10 a.m. and run them till two in the afternoon. Now, if we if we hone in on that bit in the red rectangle, uh, the table is represent is showing the energy that's been used to make that amount of ice. So you can see that 45 kilowatt hours came from our solar system, and that costs us nothing. Um, and then the other 20 kilowatt hours is on a day rate of 14.6p. So it's gone up since 2018. The amount we're paying for energy has gone up, and that's that's obviously an ongoing trend. So the total cost to make the ice there that's in that red rectangle was about £3. When you compare that to making that same amount of ice on a nitrate, uh, we've got a 60% saving there, so a significant saving. If you compare it to making that ice on a day rate, then it's a 70% saving. If we didn't have any solar on the roof, we'd be paying nearly £10 to make that ice during the day. And of course, this is a day in September. Uh, so if you compare it to a nice summer day in June, when the solar is really kicking out a lot of power, the savings increase to over 80%. So a really significant amount of savings. And what we did on this particular site is put in an internet connected switch so that Pisces, the software, can talk to the switch and switch the machines on and off. Our staff then can sit at their computer, place an ice order in advance, and allow Pisces to run the ice machines automatically and schedule them at the best time possible to save us the most amount of money. So we're seeing significant savings on our own building. Um, moving on then to Williams Marine, so as I say, Williams Marine is one of our fisheries tenants. They've got three freezers on the site. They're, they're freezing bait um, for crab fishing over the winter. And then they have a chiller with lobster tanks and lots of pumps running, pushing air through these tanks to keep the live lobsters in good condition. We put energy monitoring onto the site and had a good look at the energy footprint of the different devices and really focused in on the freezers and the operation of the freezers. Um, because that's really the big opportunity to schedule the running of the freezers differently to make better use of any renewable energy or off-peak tariffs. If you look at the chart on this slide, it's zooming in on one of the freezers and showing you the energy footprint of it. So you can see the compressors come on every four hours or so um, to keep the temperature about minus 11 degrees. Um, so there's a good opportunity there to either reduce the temperature in the freezer or have a bigger band of temperatures that you're working within and operate the freezers differently. So if I go into the next slide, the green line on this slide is showing 
the total energy which is being pulled from the grid in a day in November this year. And you can see that there's quite a heavy base load on the site. There's quite a lot of power being consumed from the grid. Um, this, the blue line is showing the solar generation on that day. Obviously not a massive amount of solar on a November day in Milford Haven. Um, but what this is showing is that actually all of the solar is being used on the site when it's being generated. Now you can have a look at a summer's day and I've done that and you can see that obviously there's more solar being generated, but there's always this quite heavy base load because they've got a lot of pumps running, they've got freezers running. Um, most of the time the solar will be mopped up uh, by the base load in the, in the site. So the optimization here is to operate the freezers differently uh, based on a, a half hourly energy tariff. And that'll be the recommendation to Williams Marine. So going on to smart energy clustering. So the Pisces, Pisces actually stands for Smart Cluster Energy System. Um, the idea being that once you've cut the energy overheads for individual sites, as I've been describing, then you bring sites together into an energy cluster uh, to allow them to sort of trade any spare energy that they're generating between them. So Williams Marine is a good example of that. You can see that they're using all of the solar on the site. If there was more solar available through a cluster model, then they'd be able to use that as well to offset their bills. So we, we started to investigate this in 2018 and looked around to see if anybody else was doing this sort of thing and came across an example in North Wales and Bethesda where the National Trust have a hydro on the side of the hill and they were selling their power directly to homeowners in Bethesda. Um, so we, we started speaking to them and, and, and to an energy charity called Energy Local who'd implemented this, this way of being able to share energy through a contractual relationship with the energy supplier. So that really shakes things up and we decided to to go ahead with them, work with them to try and set up the UK's first commercial smart energy cluster. And that's what we've done. So this slide is showing, we've got a site called the Dry Dock, which has a 50 kilowatt solar system on the roof. It doesn't have any load in the building. It's just an open-sided storage shed. So it's always just putting all of its power onto the grid. What we've managed to do is use that site. And as I say, through a contractual relationship, we're able to offset the bills on a number of sites uh, within the local, local area through this equitable sharing method. And what that means is that within any half hour period that the solar is generating, uh, that, will, that power will be used to offset the bills on those sites equally uh, if they're consuming power at the same time. So to explain a little bit more about the smart energy clustering, You've got the top left of the slide there shows that, you know, what we've been doing is exporting to grid and being paid five pence per kilowatt hour to do that. So our, our income in 2019 um, from that was about £2,000. But of course, these other sites around and all of lots of our other properties are buying that same power back from the grid, but paying 14 and a half pence for the per kilowatt hour. So there's got to be a better way than that. And that's what Pisces is all about. So what we've managed to set up in Milford Fish Docks is this smart energy cluster, whereby we're selling the solar power to ourselves. So you've got two income streams now. You've got, you're still exporting a little bit to the grid. So you can see we're, we're estimated to export 340 
pounds a year to the grid. But we're now, the rest of that uh, money that we would have been getting through the export tariff, we're getting back through solar sales to ourselves. So we're selling the power to ourselves at five pence per kilowatt hour and making an income, I suppose, or you could see it as a saving, whichever way you want to you want to see it. But if you, if you explain it as an income, then what we've also got, of course, is a cost saving because we're not buying that power at 14 and a half pence. We're buying it now at five pence. So we've got a significant saving. We've still got the same income uh, from the solar system, exporting to grid and selling to, to ourselves. But we're also now saving a significant amount on our bill. So that's proven to be a really great way for us uh, to save money on top of what, as I explained, with the, the flake ice operations. And it's something that we're looking to expand out across sites going forward. So we expect to expand what we've started uh, in Milford Haven. And ideally, if we can, also set up another smart energy cluster across the water in Pembroke Port to save even more money. So thanks very much. That's my presentation. Thanks for that, Tam. Um, so next up, we have Bill Kelly, who's uh, in the finance department for the Atlantic Dawn Group, who's going to give us um, a view of the trial site at, uh, in Kelly Beggs uh, here in Ireland. Um, and just before I hand over to Philip, I'll just uh, draw your attention again to the Q&A box. So if you have any questions as we go along, just pop them in there and we'll get to them at, at the end. Uh, okay, I'll hand over to you now, Philip. Okay, thank you, John. Can you see the screen okay there? Not yet, no. Uh, actually, Tom, did you do you have to stop sharing your screen? I wonder. I oh, know you're not sharing. Um, I think I'd stop sharing. Yeah. Can you see my screen? No, no. You should be, should be good to go, Philip. Okay. There we go. Can you see that now, John? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I'm Philip Kelly. I'm an accountant here at the Atlantic Dawn Group. Uh, I'm a member of the internal energy management team and also part of the company's Origin Green team. So just a little bit of the background to the company. Uh, we're one of Europe's largest uh, frozen producers of frozen pelagic fish. Um, that's our activities involve catching, processing and marketing frozen pelagic fish products. And our activities involve catching vessels, sea freezing vessels and shore freezing vessel, uh, shore freezing factories, sorry, here in Killybegs. Um, the company is, sorry, just uh, trying to bring up the pleasure there, sorry. Uh, the company is committed to sustainable fishing practices. Uh, we work closely with the MSC, the Marine Stewardship Council, uh, which independently certifies a number of fisheries we're involved in as sustainable. And we're also a member of Origin Green, which is Ireland's food and drink sustainability programme. Uh, for the Pisces project, there were two sites that were chosen. First is called Polar Fish, 
Uh, it's a standalone cold stores, about 30 years old. In terms of the energy consumption, it has an MIC of 190 kVA and would fall into a DG6 category. Uh, the other site we chose uh, was here, the main processing site. Um, at this site, we carry out processing, freezing, and there's also more cold storage, uh, but also an ice plant facility. And it was this ice plant facility that was chosen uh, to take part in Pisces. Um, similar to Polar, Arctic has been established for over 30 years. It's a much larger site, an MIC of 6,000 kVA and it belongs in the DG7 category. So just on to the polar site. As I mentioned, this is a, an off-site location. It consists of two uh, cold stores, one slightly larger than the other, both of them running off the same refrigeration plant. Uh, historically, we paid no real attention to the time of day or the price of electricity we were paying uh, in order to keep the rooms cold. Um, the rooms ran at a single temperature set point 24-7 uh, with no optimization taken into account. Um, what, we what happened when Pisces uh, became involved in 2018, um, they were very easily able to integrate within our existing control system, so caused no disruption to uh, the way the plant ran. Fans, coolers, etc. all ran exactly as before. Uh, what they were able to do, though, they were able to improve and maintain our system constraints and the alerts. So we have much greater flexibility now in the temperature constraints within the plant. And the, the way that Pisces works, running an algorithm on an hourly basis, it was able to head off any historic alerts we might get. Uh, we found that we were receiving less alerts about temperature rises, um, as I say, due to Pisces monitoring the refrigeration much more carefully than you could do manually. Uh, one of the other benefits we found from working with Pisces in this area, it allowed us to arbitrage with the tariff um, in the electricity market. Um, so as others have explained, it means you can boost your energy consumption when the price is cheap. And then you can ramp down your energy consumption when prices are going to be expensive. And that's led to a significant saving uh, on the polar fish site. Um, what we also found from working with Pisces is their modeling techniques led to further efficiencies and savings, more of which I'll come to at the end. So within the main site here, as I said, it was the ice plant that was chosen for the Pisces project. This was because it could serve as a, as a standalone project and wouldn't uh, impact on any of the processing, freezing uh, facilities on site. Uh, the ice plant obviously is involved in making flake and slush ice um, that's used for our tankers to bring fish up from the boats at the pier. Historically, uh, much like Polar, not uh, much attention was paid to the ice plant. It was switched on and off manually for an estimated amount of time whenever somebody needed ice for either bins or for one of the trucks. Uh, what we found through testing with Pisces initially is what we were better able to establish um, how long it takes for us to make one tonne of ice. Uh, and that alone has resulted in a saving. 
Um, but the way that Pisces has been working with the ice plant, uh, it accepts a daily ice order remotely and can automatically actuate the plant at the most economic time. So if we decide we want 10 tonnes of ice for eight o'clock next morning, rather than us switching on the ice plant, perhaps overnight uh, or for the full day the day before and paying no attention to the rates of electricity, what Pisces can do is can plot the most, most economic times uh, that can make the ice for us. And what we found with that is it uh, gives us, again, greater flexibility in um, how we run the ice plant. Uh, we can set default orders. We can set minimum amounts. And these can be overridden and adjusted very easily remotely. Um, it saves our engineer having to manually attend the ice plant. And what we also find with Pisces here is that uh, it can adjust depending on whether the expected amount of ice was used the day before. It can either increase or decrease automatically the amount of ice that it's looking to make for the following day. So some of the outcomes that we found from working with Pisces, it definitely fits in with our company's sustainability goals and with corporate social responsibility. Uh, from using the latest technology, not only leads to a cost saving for us, but it also leads to a green solution and a green saving for the environment. Uh, as mentioned before, there were significant savings that we expect from using Pisces. Uh, in Polar, we found that uh, marked against a baseline of what we used to do. Um, Pisces has managed to save 18% on the electricity consumption. And in the ice plant here in Arctic, we find that that improves even more to around 29%. Uh, another benefit, as I've mentioned, is uh, with the system of Pisces being so flexible, it uh, completely automates a lot of what used to be a manual process and has freed up valuable time, uh, specifically for our chief engineer, who can now spend more time based around the factory and the machinery and not moving back and forth between polar sites, the ice plant and the factory. The constraints and the alerts, um, as I mentioned, the Pisces have been improved um, and this has led to better performance. Um, Again, the algorithm allows for a quicker response um, to any temperature changes. Uh, it means that we're not having to wait for an alert to come through. Um, and also, as mentioned before, we found there were some other uh, efficiencies that we did not foresee um, through the initial testing with Pisces. It really allowed us to focus in on the cold stores. They say they were 30 years old but we put a lot of effort into ensuring a more consistent temperature in there, which led to more savings. So things like uh, improving the lighting and taking out old lights, putting in LED lights. Um, we improved the door access. We um, purchased fast acting roller doors and created an air curtain with inside the cold stores. All this led to uh, reduced losses in cold when doors were open and when lights are on and we were able to give Pisces a much more consistent temperature to work with. And what we also found was that if we made uh, an adjustment to how we stacked our product in the cold stores, we could improve the airflow 
Um, and that was, again, able to give Pisces much better platform to work with. Um, through those initial tests with Pisces and through them implementing their uh, system, we found that um, on top of all those initiatives, there was less ice building up in cold stores. Uh, as a result of that, we were able to adjust our defrost uh, programs. We could um, spend less energy and less time on defrosts. And that in turn has led to further savings um, as seen in the 18% at Polar. And through working with uh, Sean and the team in Pisces, we've also found our knowledge of the electricity markets has improved. And it gives us greater confidence when we're going to renegotiate electricity contracts. And we're aware of the different charges, and the different changes in charges year on year, and, and gives us much more confidence going forward. And of course, uh, looking into the future, <clears throat> we see that there's great potential with Pisces and renewable energy um, on site. Um, it's already set up to cater for solar and wind. Uh, uh, those are the two big renewable energy sources that uh, we ourselves will be looking to implement at least one of those over the next few years, um, which again, um, as you've seen at uh, Milford Haven, can only improve your flexibility in when you're using energy and then leads to a great sharing and a great saving. So that's uh, it from me. Um, I'll pass you back to John. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Sean, uh, who will give a, an overview of the Pisces platform, talking more in depth than, than at the start. And um, Sean, I'll pass it over to you now. Thanks, John. Can you see my screen? Uh, yep, yeah, you're not in presenter mode, that's the only thing. Yeah, okay. Okay. Okay, so um, yeah, so what I'll do then, guys, is I'll, I'll try and build on, on, on the previous presentations and, and pull it together into how then the platform looks and how it operates. So this is where I finished on, at the introduction stage. That's basically was just, you know, what is Pisces? So again, just to give maybe a graphic on that, um, basically the, the, the blue line is, is a typical day. And as I mentioned, the price of energy changes every half an hour. So you have 48 periods in the day where the price of energy is different. And you know that the day ahead. Okay, so um, this is in euros per megawatt hour. So it, it was it was you know roughly three or maybe three cents during the night. It went up to about five cents then during the day, but then it peaks. It's a price of electricity is all based on supply and demand. It peaks at uh, around twenty seven cents and then comes back down again. So that every day is different depending on you know weather conditions and supply and demand, as I say. Uh, a site like um, Polar and Arctic are on the are, are on the half hour. So there's there's basically 48 opportunities every day to to, to optimize that. Other sites like uh, Castan Bear and as Tam mentioned, Milford um, uh, Haven are on a tariff. So they're on a night tariff of maybe you know six cents, uh, a day tariff of around uh, eight or nine cents, and then a peak tariff of, of around 14 cents. So we've we've we've, we've sites both on tariffs and on the wholesale rate. And this was a site uh, that we, we also worked with, uh, and their original um, load profile is this black line. 
and basically, so they were using maybe about 80 kilowatts during the during the night. They went up to around 250 kilowatts during the day, and they peaked at over 300 kilowatts. Uh, and as you see, they're actually using more energy when the price is expensive, and they're using a, very little energy when it's when it's uh, when it's cheap. So with optimization, we were able to we would use the same amount of energy during the day, but we would just consume it at different times. And that's why uh, flexibility is so important. So basically, we would have our Pisces system would have, would have uh, ramped up and, and down that uh, that load, that flexible load, uh, such that they, they were very busy during the, uh, during the night. And uh, uh, during the day then, obviously, we were just maintaining uh, and as little as possible. And again, we would ramp up when the, when the price went down again. So there's significant savings, as, as we've seen uh, for that. So to do that, you have to have... Um, you have to model the profile of the flexible load that you want to uh, manipulate. And in this case, this is uh, just a screenshot of uh, the coal stores in Polar, as, as Philip was explaining. And a lot going on here, and these are basically the compressors coming on and off at the bottom here. The uh, orange line is the, the amount of energy that's been used. And basically, we did a lot of work um, to model how the room, rooms react uh, when you uh, when you increase temperature and when you let it slide back, okay. So they we set the minimum temperatures at at, um, at minus 18 and, and more recently at minus 19 degrees C, and we also go up to uh, minus 25 degrees C. So we integrated directly with the refrigeration control system, and uh, we 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 put a lot of monitoring equipment into the rooms to make sure the temperature spread was good. And we weren't getting any warm spots, uh, and we we averaged those temperatures in the rooms uh, to give us the, the the temperature. Okay, so by doing lots and lots of trials of of ramping up and ramping that down, we were able to build a prediction model of how that room reacts. And, and we, obviously, there was other factors like uh, ambient temperature and how how full the rooms were, uh, and the amount of traffic going in and out of them. So we had to have different uh, thermal profiles and, and prediction models uh, for all the different criteria. So this is what uh, the Pisces system looks like, okay? Basically, on the left-hand side here, you've got all, these all expand out into our modules. So you have, you know, a weather module, we have a load module, we have an electricity markets module, and a solar module. And we have a settings module here where you, you set up all of the criteria for your site, be it, you know, what kind of solar is there, what market tariffs you're on, all of that, all of that criteria. And basically, there's a lot going on in this top graph, but basically, if you just follow the blue line, th this is the price of energy on the half hour, okay? So this is was on a particular day in, in Polar. Uh, so obviously, it was around five, six cents uh, during the night, and it goes up to 22 or three cents uh, during the day. So obviously, the Pisces system is looking at this 24 hours ahead, okay? Uh, so we tried to put everything on this front page that the that Philip and, and, and Hugh, the chief engineer, uh, can see at a glance what, exactly what's happening, and they can toggle to look at yesterday, and they can also look ahead to see what tomorrow is going to look like. Um, the bottom graph here, you see, we have three temperature set points. So previously, as I said, the 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 uh, the cold rooms were, were being run at a, at a single temperature. It was always trying to hunt around minus 23 degrees, okay, and it didn't pay any attention to to the price of energy at that time. Uh, so what we did is we, we 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 have three set points now. You can you can set it to minus twenty five, minus twenty two in the middle, or you can actually switch it off. And when we switch it off, we we still keep the fans and everything running to make sure there's good airflow around the product. Okay, um, and we predict then the prediction model then predicts what that temperature is going to be. 
um, uh, every hour, and it reruns the algorithm every hour to make to make sure it's it's staying in line. So the blue line is the actual temperature. So we we ran this screenshot at at, at two o'clock on a particular day, um, and the purple line is the predicted. So obviously, as when when it's off here, uh, you see the temperature gradually rises, and that profile is 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 what came out of our prediction models. Okay. You see here at, uh, at 3 a.m., between 2 and 3 a.m., uh, we have this defrost cycle. Um, defrosting, as Philip explained, was you, you, obviously on coolers, you get ice build up uh, and uh, they have to be defrosted every er, uh, periodically. Uh, before Pisces got involved with, uh, uh, with, with Polar, uh, there was do, they were doing two defrosts every day. And, and a defrost is a, it's a double whammy. You, 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 they've got heater coils in the coolers that uh, they heat up uh, to, to melt off any ice that builds up on the coolers. So obviously you, you, that's costing you energy to, 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 to use those heaters. And also it's introducing heat into the room that you don't want, okay? So because of the better performance of the rooms due to Pisces uh, and, and therefore being less ice buildup, we were able to find that we could go, we did tests with, with, uh, with the guys there uh, and we successfully worked that. You can only, we can do just one defrost a day. Uh, and we also um, chose uh, 2 a.m., 2 to 3 a.m. Uh, as the time to do it because that's always the cheapest time. Price is always cheaper at night. Before, they were, they were actually doing it at uh, 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., which are much more expensive. So we were able to time that. So that's what, what Philip meant by, by defrost optimization. So the algorithm worked out that while the price was cheap, between midnight and 8 a.m. that it would, it would work very hard. We want to work hard uh, across that period because the price is cheap, okay? And it, every hour predicts what the temperature is going to be in the next hour, 24 hours ahead. Obviously then as the, pri uh, uh, as the price starts to rise here at 8 a.m., we're, we're going to switch off. And we switched off from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m., which uh, at the beginning we didn't think we'd be able to switch off for that long. Uh, but obviously, by by doing extra work at night, we were able to buy that energy back. So we were to we're, we're using no energy at that time. Okay, so the predicted cost then obviously comes way down. Obviously, there's still fans and stuff running, but your your predicted cost comes way down. Obviously, as the temperature then starts to rise, uh, this screenshot as I said was taken at two o'clock. We are predicting at four o'clock we're going to have to switch on again to minus twenty five. So we're going to make it cold again. So it's going to get cold again, and this is our profile as what it's going to do. And again, at um, at uh, 7 p.m., then we, we can switch off again to miss this other small peak. So the algorithm works out over a 24-hour period ahead uh, what to do and keeps the cold store within certain constraints like, like temperature. And also, if we have other uh, alerts and, and, and mechanisms built in, fail-safes, where you know, if, if the gap between the predicted and the actual is is of a certain size we 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 have certain we, we may turn on the cold store regardless so obviously if somebody left a door open really what that means is that the cold store is not operating operating to the way it should be the way to its profile so therefore there's, a, there's an issue and it can if it continues obviously then alerts are sent out and uh, if manual intervention is, is required so that's basically a coaster. So coaster is a very good uh, example of, of flexible load. Um, so basically, we're ramping it up and ramping it down. Um, in the this is the front page of the Arctic uh, site, in, also in Killybegs, uh, where we where we make ice. And basically, as as Philip mentioned, uh, historically they would just manually switch on and then kind of uh, you know keep keep an eye on it and when they had the required amount of ice they'd go and switch it off so there was quite a lot of uh, manual intervention required 
what what we've done with Pisces again, we've uh, interacted with their with the ice uh, control system, and we basically we're obviously going to turn it on and turn it off to suit uh, at the at the cheapest time. So the basically there's a default uh, ice order. So depending on how busy the guys are, they can set that that order to and it's here it's set to five tons. We've also set a minimum um, level in the in the in the in the ice hoppers. Uh, so. Uh, if the guys decide we need five ton for eight o'clock tomorrow morning, the system works out when to make that ice. So obviously, again, the blue line was uh, roughly around six cents during the night and it goes up to 19 cents or so uh, during the day. So it works out. It knows how long it takes to make a ton of ice uh, and uh, it, it works out how what, what's the most economic time before 8 a.m. tomorrow to do that. So this obviously it would have made ice uh, between midnight and 8 a.m. it would have switched off all day to miss the high prices and they would come on again at 8, 8 p.m. and finish off the ice order uh, before midnight. Uh, and obviously then you can go into tomorrow and look at what, at what uh, what's happening there. Okay, So again, uh, it, it does it at the most economic time. Uh, Billy and Watan mentioned a uh, similar type of system for their ice plant. Uh, uh, much more complicated for us because there, there was no uh, uh, control system for it was a completely manual so we had to put in a um a smart smart relay that the pisces system could talk directly to so again the uh, the the operators can put in a nice request for, for adm tomorrow morning and would make it at the most opportune time as you see in milford haven they're not on the half hourly they're on a night rate and a day rate and also in milford haven we have solar on the roof so our our solar prediction model predicts how much solar we're going to have in the coming period, based on weather forecasting and a lot of other, a lot of other items, uh, and so we're trying to maximise uh, using the solar. Previously, as Tam mentioned, that solar was being uh, spilled onto the grid, uh, and uh, so it's almost free energy to, to them. So um, basically, you you optimise that. So again, the, the ice machines turn on and off to make the required amount of ice at the required for the required time at the at the cheapest to avail of market prices and uh, solar energy. Okay, so just again, just a, a quick graphic to just to just to bring that together. Again, this is a, a, the graph that I showed you earlier, where you would have optimized your load here. But obviously, if when you introduce renewable energy, you know a site may have you know some amount of wind and also a lot of solar. Uh, you again, you want to you want to be able to maximize that there, and then therefore what you buy from the grid is is in this blue line. So obviously at night you've only just got some wind, so you're buying most of your energy at the cheapest price. Uh, and then obviously as, this, as your solar and everything kicks in during the day, uh, you're using much less energy because uh, you're using, you're buying much less energy from the grid because you're using your own solar. Uh, and also you've ramped it down from the optimization side. And as you see here, uh, it actually then goes negative. Um, it goes, so it, between maybe three o'clock and eight o'clock, it goes negative. But it's going negative at that, which means it's actually spilling energy out onto the grid. And it does it at a time when the price is highest. So you're buying energy cheaply here at maybe three, three or four cents, and then you potentially could be selling it at the 27 cents. So that's the whole idea. That's the arbitrage we speak about. Okay. So just to pull all this together uh, and, and uh, uh, linking it to the objectives we had at the beginning of the project, um, really, I suppose the, the Pisces platform is a, is a prediction and optimiza optimization system. Uh, leveraging the flexibility in thermal loads such as ice plants and cold storage uh, and to avail of those time of use tariffs and in, uh, integrating renewable energy on site. As mentioned by both 
Philip and Tan, the significant savings um, in, in, in polar and Arctic ice and even higher again in Packaway because of the, the, the solar issue there and, the, and, the, and what, what, using that spill, they, they can save significant amounts of money. Another major um, uh, achievement for the project uh, was the smart energy cluster system that was delivered in Milford Haven. This really is the future. This can be, as I say, a central pillar of, this, of the clean energy transition. Uh, enabling um, enabling uh, consumers to to share energy amongst themselves will uh, incentivize them to integrate renewable energy, and that's really what we want to do with Pisces. Um, there's kind of barriers in the way of of of, uh, of, of, of energy sharing, uh, which we were able to um, to uh, overcome in the UK. The laws in Ireland are slightly different, and, and in most of Europe, and the EU have recently issued. Uh, uh, directives through the Renewable Energy Directive and the Electricity Market Directive, which uh, will force governments to bring in legislation to allow peer-to-peer -peer sharing and to give some kind of an incentivization to allow people to do that. So if you can picture exactly what Tam was, was explaining, you can build these energy clusters. And with our technology, potentially, uh, with the optimization and prediction, you can design an energy, a renewable energy system to suit a cluster. So if you've got 20 or 50 or hundreds of, of different companies, you can actually have a renewable energy system designed to suit and, and let, that, let that energy park be sustainable. Okay, so that's, that's where we see the future. We've obviously found that, you know, cooperate with us as research and development institutions, uh, cooperating with, with industry like, like uh, Atlantic Dawn and, and the Port of Milford Haven and, and Williams and, and these guys, um, it's given lots of other added benefits. It's stuff that we didn't foresee at the, at, at the beginning of the project, um, you know, uh, have, have come up. And obviously, sites like we're also doing reports for, for, for Castle and Beer Co-op as well, as, as, as Martina said. So, you know, the, 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 the opportunities are, 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 are limitless, really. Obviously, we mentioned that the platform, because it's completely automated, it frees up people and it gives that, you know, gives other added benefits like the alerts and the... Um, the constraints that we can build into the automatic system. And it's obviously linking in with what Martina said with the, um, with the Origin Green program. Uh, you know, all companies have sustainability goals and corporate social responsibility targets. So this is a, is, is a central tenant of it. Okay. And obviously, um, you know, you've, you've got a product like frozen fish is, is worth a lot of money. And obviously if you can improve the product uh, the safety of it and, and the site performance is it brings that competitiveness and, and makes uh, these sites uh, uh, more sustainable. So that very quickly, guys, is what the Pisces project did, uh, has done, and is still doing, and um, um, uh, and how, how we've delivered with with our partners. So um, I think the Q and A session is next, John. Is that correct? Uh, that's right, Sean, yeah. So um, we had a question in from Jean-Luc Lepari uh, regarding energy clusters, uh, smart energy clusters. Did you encounter any barriers or limitations posed by the regulations or the system operators to the creation and management of the energy clusters, especially regarding local trading? I know you touched um, touched on that in your, your presentation, Sean, but... Uh, Tom, Tom answered it uh, in line, but uh, have you have you any other perspectives on the Irish situation in, in particular? 
Yeah. So, um, yeah, as I mentioned in my talk, uh, the, 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 the mechanisms uh, of how the electricity markets work in the UK are different to, to Ireland. So, um, uh, uh, we were able to do, uh, obviously, Tom mentioned we, we worked with um, Energy Local and, and uh, how the uh, project in Bethesda uh, works. So you, you, the, the barriers in the UK are, are a lot less. Um, there's, there, you're allowed to, to within, you, you might be able to add to this, Tom, but, you know, behind a, uh, a substation, um, the, the ability, you're still using the distribution grid, so there are some distribution charges you have to pay, but you don't have to pay the other transmission charges and uh, other uh, like PSO levies and stuff like that. Um, from an Irish perspective, um, uh, you're not allowed to do that. You, if if, if, if I, I share with my next door neighbour, but I, I get very little for, for, for spilling that energy and my next door neighbour um, pays for the energy as if it was uh, if, as if it came from uh, you know a generating station hundreds of miles away. So on the legislation piece, then those barriers are 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 are, are, are envisaged that they will be uh, relaxed. Uh, we're still a little unsure. Um, the EU directives are being transposed uh, early. The first one, the renewable energy directives, is to be transposed in Ireland uh, in the in January, and the electricity market directive is in June. So we are working with the regulator, the, the, the energy regulator here as to exactly how that might happen in Ireland and also keeping a very close eye on what's happening around Europe. Um, so you know, the peer-to-peer -peer energy sharing will be allowed, but unless there's some um, uh, financial reason for doing it, uh, so we, we were not sure whether the, some of the charges may be relaxed or there might be some support scheme for it. We're not sure. So hope that answers the question. I, you might be able to add something to that, Tan, from a, a UK side. I would just uh, reiterate what I put in my comment is that um, it's not that it's either allowed or disallowed at the moment in the UK. It's more that the, the regulators are still to take a view. I, I know that it's on the radar um, and we expect positive uh, affirmation from them um, that clustering on the low voltage side of the network uh, would be something that can be approved because essentially what you're doing is balancing the local grid. Um, when people are creating these sorts of sites where the, the businesses or the consumers are geographically removed from each other and are on different substations, that's when it becomes more complicated. And I, I think it's more difficult uh, to legitimize that because you're not actually balancing in the grid in that respect. So it's all about keeping this local, local generation and local consumption on the low voltage side of the network. Does that answer the question, John, do you think? Is, is the... I, yeah, yeah I, I think so, yeah. Um, hopefully, uh, Jean-Luc, that, uh, that, that gives you a bit of insight. Um, does anybody else have, have any questions? Um, I suppose uh, one, one question is, um, obviously we were concentrating on fish processors here, primarily Sean. Uh, can you see any other sectors where this would be um, 
Pisces, this Pisces system would be of benefit? Yeah, I mean, um, anyone really with with flexible loads is a, is a, is a potential uh, client for, for this technology. Um, fish processing is, is a very good um, example in that uh, there's a lot of thermal loads, like I explained in my presentation, uh, between ice making and cold storage. But other food processing um, uh, would also have, you know, a lot of thermal loads. Um, um, uh, so, you know, basically, you know, cold storage, ice making can be in, in lots of different uh, areas. Um, and as I said, if the peer-to-peer -peer energy sharing aspect uh, becomes a reality, uh, you know, it would allow consumers to become what's known as prosumers. They're, they're, they're people that are actually not just buying energy, but they're involved in the energy market. And obviously, to be involved in, in the market, you have to have some um, you know, some system or some intelligence. And that's what Pisces gives you. It gives you the intelligence and the control to actually be part of the market. So as you see with the likes of um, Polar and, and, and Arctic and Milford Haven, they're actually trading in the market now because they're, they're, they're using energy when it's cheapest and, when, when, uh, and, and using as little as possible when it's expensive and also maximizing and optimizing the, the, any renewable energy that they have on site. Thanks, Sean. Um, yeah, um, Samantha, Samantha Richardson asked, actually asked the exact same question just to, as I, I, asked, I asked it to you, Sean. So uh, hopefully, Samantha, that's, um, that's, that's, that's answered your, your question as well. Um, does anybody else have any questions? Oh, hang on. We have, do we have anything? No, we don't. Um, Uh, I have a question from uh, this anonymous. Uh, when the project ends, will the Pisces platform be made available to other organizations outside the ports that have been test sites? Uh, yeah, potentially. I mean, obviously, um, from a you know from a from a WIT point of view, uh, we have a technology transfer department, which um, you know. Uh, looks at how this technology could be used in other areas. So um, certainly it's not going to be just, you know, left on a shelf. Uh, there's a lot, it's obviously a huge amount of effort has gone into, uh, into pulling it together and to making it as, as accurate and as, as usable as, as it is. So yeah, it would be, um, it would be foreseen that, that uh, it would be used uh, in other areas and also potentially uh, rolled out to other sites. So if anybody has any questions on that, just contact me directly. Um, um my my email address is slions at tssg.org. Um I might just put the, I put that in the in the chat box there just as we're yeah as we're uh, as we're talking. Cool. Uh, so a couple of follow-up questions from Samantha. So are there plans to develop Pisces 2.0 and um, how and where would the team like to see Pisces progress? Um, well, exactly. I, again, I think as I following on to what I just said, um, you know, it, 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 uh, as the uh, as the clean energy transition uh, develops and and uh, energy laws are changed to allow that to happen, um, as I said, you need to have a system which allows you to to, to integrate with the market. So, you know. Um, the, the clustering thing, uh, element that we've begun in, in Milford Haven has, has huge uh, possibilities. 
and really we're, as I say, keeping a very close eye as, as to how these EU directives will, will be transposed, not only in Ireland, but across Europe, because uh, we see, you know, potentially uh, Pisces, as, as, you, as you saw today, is very much a behind-the-meter technology. It's, it's, it's optimizing um, just a single uh, a single factory at a time or a single site at a time, whereas if peer-to-peer -peer sharing uh, becomes a reality, uh, it could also play a role uh, beyond the meter or the other side of the meter uh, in energy clusters. Okay, uh, thanks for that, Sean. Um, I think that's that's all the questions we have for, for now. So um, first of all, thank, thanks to everybody again for, for attending today. Um, it was great to, to have so many people online, uh, so, so close to Christmas. Uh, thanks to all the presenters um, for taking the time and for being great, great, uh, great partners to work with over, over the past few years. Uh, hopefully, uh, we'll, we'll have the, the opportunity to, to, to continue and to work again and together in future. Um, so that's that's all from me. Um, I don't know if, if you have any any closing yeah, remarks. Yeah, ju just just before you sign off, John, I'd just like to just a couple of thanks. Um, um, uh, I'd like to obviously that we have four partners in this in this project: um, uh, Port of Milford Haven, uh, Bordish Guevara, and uh, Cardiff University. And I'd like to thank them all for their their massive effort over the uh, three 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 and a half years or so that the project ran. Uh, I think it was a great working relationship and uh, worked very well. Uh, particularly, like to thank uh, my own team in in, in TSSG. Uh, the amount of work uh, that was done was was was, uh, was was fabulous, and I think you, you can see it in the results. And um, I'd also like to thank uh, the Ireland Wales program themselves. Um, it was great, 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 uh, great uh, system. And uh, in particular, I'd like to thank uh, Samantha Richardson, who was our development officer, uh, who was a fantastic help and was always uh, at hand to, to help out. So um, thanks to everyone that was involved and thanks to everybody today for attending. And uh, I, hope you, uh, I hope you enjoyed it and got something from it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Innovation Insight podcast. Be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and other podcast streaming services. For more information on the Walton Institute, check out our website at www.waltoninstitute.ie and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn and Twitter. Bye for now.